Galatians 5, 16 through 17, we've been going through this series called A Way Out. Who knows that God provides us a way out of temptation, amen? God provides us a way out of sin, and he does that through the blood of Christ. And now we are going to look at what Paul encourages, excuse me, encourages us to lean on to overcome sin. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. Let's read. It says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But, everyone say but. But But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the law of Moses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. And God, this passage of Scripture says a lot. And some people might read it and say, what? But God, I believe that you are going to make things clear. God, as we seek your word, as we seek to understand it, Lord, you are going to challenge hearts and minds. I thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. So I'm looking at this, and very clearly what Paul is laying out to us is you and I have an opportunity to seek a guide. Now, this guidance started in the Old Testament with the law of Moses. And the law of Moses, what it did was it helped define sin. The law of Moses helped define sin. And when Moses in the Old Testament was leading God's people in the wilderness, God, what he did was he gave them rules to live by. And I want you to look at this as that is God's provision and a first step in revealing to us what is right and wrong. Have you ever got a job, they didn't tell you how to do the job, and the next thing you know, they're like, oh, no, 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 you're doing this wrong. Who knows how frustrating that is, right? And you're thinking, had you trained me right, I would know. So I am thankful that God gave us this provision in the law so that we could determine what is right and wrong, amen? Not many people like to say amen to that. Now you as parents, you determine what is right and wrong for your household. What is right and wrong for your kids based off of your own expectations and direction that you want your children to go. You know, God's doing the same thing with the law. He's doing the exact same thing with the law. That if you want to abide in the house of the Lord, these are the things that you must follow and these are the things that you must not do. Here's the flaw in all this. The law of Moses could not make sinful people righteous. I want to read for you Romans chapter 8 verses 3 through 4. Romans 8, 3 through 4, it says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness. Everyone say weakness. Because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. 
He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Everyone say amen to that. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. I want you guys to accept this. It was not the law that was flawed. The law itself wasn't flawed, but what the law did, it it further revealed the flaw in human nature. And so all of a sudden, what God does is he is building up things along the way. He is preparing us along the way. He's preparing humanity for the gift of the Spirit. You see, if God would have just gave that gift on the onset, you would not understand what a gift that is. Say amen. So what Jesus does is Jesus comes along, he brings righteousness, but we are imparted a gift because of Jesus. Listen to John 14, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So not only does the Holy Spirit walk with you to to lead and guide you, but at the day of Pentecost, God's Spirit was birthed inside people so they could walk in power to be witnesses for Christ. But in order for you to have this relationship, you have to nurture it. Are you listening to me, church? You need to seek out guidance from the Holy Spirit. So here's the the way people see it when they read this passage in the the book of John chapter uh, 14 right here. The way they see it is, okay, so I am just hoping that by the Holy Spirit walking with me, by leading and guiding me, he's just going to naturally correct my behavior and I am going to be on a different path. That is is often how we live our lives. And church, I am telling you, so many people are refusing to put the work in. What they're doing is they're continuing to live out sinful lives and walking on that path, and they are not seeking the Holy Spirit. They're not seeking God to speak into their lives so that we can pattern a change. And here's what I know about the Lord. God is a gentleman. He wants to be in your life. He will make effort to be in your life. He's going to give you tests and he's going to give you trials so that you can make good choices. But if you are deliberately choosing not to follow him, he is going to withdraw from your life. Okay? Now, I I, I want to be clear about this because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but to give into sinful nature is a deliberate choice. 
the Jewish leaders, they, they brought in this woman in front of Jesus. And uh, she was caught in the act of adultery. And don't you find it interesting? The guy was nowhere to be found. Um, and so what they decided to do, they're going to make an example of her. And they said, okay, now Jesus, by the law, by all rights, by our understanding, we have the right to stone her. And Jesus' response to them is, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, they dropped their stones and they left until it's Jesus just stooping down in the ground and riding in the dirt and we don't know what he was riding. I have an idea. We don't know what he was riding, but listen to how Jesus responded to her in John 8, 10 through 11. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now something that I want us to take from that section of scripture that so, so, so seldom is looked at is Jesus, what he was doing was he wasn't asking her, he was commanding her to make a choice. Serve me or continue to serve sin. But if you are going to serve me, go and sin no more. I want to talk about our conflict. Our conflict that Paul is talking about here in Galatians chapter 5. You see, what happens is when you are introduced to the Spirit of God, all of a sudden, something that never existed before now exists, and it is a battle between flesh and spirit. Because I believe that up to that point, serving sin isn't a battle until you're introduced to the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden then, there is a battle going on. In fact, because serving sin is natural to our human nature, amen? It is totally natural. So from the moment we come out of the womb, we are born into sin. How many know that? Naturally, our first sin, I can tell you what our first sin is. Everyone has it in common. It's selfishness. And so naturally, we come out of the womb, and, and the moment that that infant decides they need to feed, what happens? It's the end of the world until they get fed, right? And you're probably thinking as a young parent, could you just wait 1.5 seconds? Like, we, we, we have this under control. We, we will get you fed. But our first sin is selfishness. And every other sin thereafter follows a pattern of selfish behavior. So now all of a sudden, the moment Christ is introduced into our lives, we are challenged to abandon sin and follow him. And even though it's the right path, it's a difficult one for us to just go and sin no more. Who knows? It's easier said than done. 
So God, he gives us his Holy Spirit, but as Paul alludes to in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, these two forces are fighting each other. They're fighting each other. So if you choose to overcome this battle, it starts with you determining which of these two forces you are going to feed. Think about it. If you, you can feed your spirit or you can feed your flesh. Feed your, feed your spiritual need and fulfill spiritual desires and see the Spirit of God rise up in you and you develop an understanding of who God is and you can commune with God and you can grow in the Lord or you can feed your flesh and grow in your flesh. Now, obviously, we're not talking about food. Is everyone on the same page here when I, when I, when I talk about feeding our flesh? So I'm not telling you to starve yourself of food and only speak spiritual nourishment, but you could examine what am I personally driven by to help determine is my flesh leading my life or is, my, is the spirit leading my life? So if we are a God-fearing believer or claim to be, you have to choose to fight. Amen? Are you hearing me? You have to choose to fight because the acknowledgement of a battle is the beginning of overcoming the flesh. I want you to think about that. That is the very first step. When you see your weakness and you understand your weakness and you know the Spirit of God is trying to work and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I have to have victory over this. That's how it starts. Because when you begin to recognize the choices you've made, choices you are making or what you desire is not good, what that is, what's happening is God is beginning to stir up what it takes for you to live righteously. And so he is stirring those things in your heart and how you respond will determine if you are going to heed the promptings of the Spirit. So all of a sudden it becomes very important how you look at yourself and sin as you move forward in walking in the Spirit. I gotta be honest with you, as I, as I talk to believers, and I, it's happened all the time, where you have, you have a young believer come to the altar, they accept Jesus Christ, and the next week they show up, everything's happening perfectly. Nothing's going wrong in my life. You know what, pastor, I have abandoned all those things. We're good. All of a sudden, I take a step back like, no, you're, you're bad. You're bad. This does not make sense. This does not compute to me. Because anyone who has been caught up in addiction and sin and then confidently says, Pastor, I no longer have a problem. I'm good. The Lord is walking with me. No issues whatsoever. It tells me they lack holiness. Because a pursuit of holiness, it recognizes that we are a flawed people marred by sin. And the only thing that can redeem us is Jesus Christ. That's why Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1.15 refers to himself as the chief of sinners. 
Because he knows that as long as we are on this earth and our flesh naturally craves things that shows us we're weak. Think about it. Things that are not sin, but flesh shows us we're weak all the time. Our our need for food, our need for sleep, our need for healing from sickness. And all of a sudden, God looks down on us. He sees a fleshly battle until we're called home to be with him. He knows it exists. So what are you feeding? Are you feeding your flesh or are you feeding your spirit? Think about it in these terms. Is your life defined by the word of God and who Jesus is? Or is it more defined by enjoying the things of this life in the world? Paul goes on to define fleshly living. He does that in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. And I'm going to tell you, for everything he points out that might feel like an attack, I want you to know it's probably an attack on every single person here. Who's ready for that battle? Let's listen. Galatians 5.19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. Sorcery. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. easy to read this and feel attacked. But the important thing to learn is this comes with a great warning. Did you hear the warning? The warning was that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I want to be very clear about this. This is not stated to curse you to hell. It's stated to save your life from the direction you are going. Are you hearing me, church? That is why it is there, because what God is wanting to do, he is wanting to prepare you for a great inheritance, but you've got to be willing to take it. Because what Christ does is Christ comes in and he restores us to God's purpose, and I'm telling you that God created you to walk with you throughout eternity. He doesn't want to just walk with you on this earth. He wants to walk with you throughout eternity. And so you choosing to live for Christ, live according to the Spirit and not the flesh, will help you receive that inheritance of eternity. That's how you get there. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 3-4. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. Who feels that decay here on earth? I feel it, church. 
But you and I, what we can do as sons and daughters of God, we can choose to walk in that inheritance now. We can choose to walk with the Spirit now. We can choose to keep our eyes fixed on heaven. Or you can choose to learn, live for earthly rewards. Things that are decaying. Things that don't last. I'm going to tell you, Adam and Eve, they chose the rewards of this earth. They chose the reward of the garden. Think about it. They had the ability to walk with God. They, they could converse with him, and they chose an earthly reward. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, I want you to accept God is offering this to you. So we have to make a choice. We can seek to honor his son and live according to his word and try not to enjoy the pleasures of this world every time the flesh desires it, to put the flesh into submission and say, no, I am a child of the living God and there is a greater purpose over my life and my eyes are fixed on this distinct purpose. But we cannot take God's promises for granted. Are you guys hearing me? I know we're going a little long. I'm almost done. It's only three closings. <laughs> the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells the story of a son that decides, I want to ask for my inheritance now. And so the father figures, what's only fair, I'm going to give it to both my sons. And then this one son that asked for the inheritance, he decided that he was going to leave. He has all this wealth now, and what he did was he was spoiled by it. And so he goes out, he parties, he drinks, he sleeps with whoever he wants. He's, he, he, he all of a sudden, he's just wasted everything he received. He wasted all his money, he has wasted his life, and there's nothing left. Eventually, he has to get a job with the local farmer. And his life was in such a bad state that he was longing for the food that they fed the pigs. All of a sudden, he's awakened to realize the mistake he's made. And so he starts preparing for what he's going to say to his father as he crawls back to him. And in Luke 15, 18, he says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as your hired servant. This young man, what he did was he realized his mistake. He squandered everything he had, and now he had the lowest job in his father's house. He's like, if I could just get the lowest job in my father's house, I've made it again. I've experienced everything the world has to offer. If I just got the lowest job, I've made it again. And so what that young man does is he's prepared what he's going to say as he starts walking out to his father from a distance. His father's servants, they see him and they tell the father and the father sees him and he starts running. And he's going after his son. And then as he, as he embraces him, and it doesn't really matter what the son says, the son is there, the son has come back, that the father embraces him, and he says, let's kill the fatted calf, let's, let's spoil nothing. 
for my son has returned home. And church, what I am telling you that I learned from this is we cannot squander away the gift of salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. We cannot squander that inheritance. And I'm telling you, if you're choosing to serve sin and serve God, you're squandering it. By many of our own choices, we could still be on a path to eternal damnation. And we can call them good intentions. Lord, I intended to stop doing that. God, I intended to start serving you in this capacity. But if we allow our flesh to control us and not seek the Holy Spirit, you are going to lose the battle. You're going to lose the battle. But God, what he is calling you to do today, he's calling you to stand in victory. He's calling you to say, it is time for me to do battle. And it's going to require us to surrender. It's going to require us to feed our spirit. But one by one, what you're going to see is you're going to start overcoming the things of the flesh. You're going to start overcoming the things that the flesh keeps crying out for. And the next thing you know, you'll be well down the road and you'll look back and you'll see, wow, God's done a lot. If I'd only realized. See, so many of us, we're wanting, we're wanting to see things just fixed overnight. God, by the power of your spirit, just change me. But I'm telling you that, that what God wants, he wants, he wants you in pursuit. And so what we need to choose to do, we need to choose to step into this battle we need to choose to acknowledge our flesh is weak. We need the Spirit of God. And we need to grab a hold of that crown that calls us son and calls us daughter now. Keep our eyes fixed on the realities of heaven. So what I want you to do is I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I, I, I'm telling you, I know that there are people in this room that you've been battling sin. You're living in constant conflict. But the Spirit of God wants you to see victory today. He wants you to start to see victory, but He wants, wants you to start by surrendering unto Him. He wants you to start by taking the right steps to feed the Spirit, not the flesh. By acknowledging that you need God in your life daily. And you need that outpouring of God's Spirit. So if you feel like you've been caught up in a battle, or maybe you feel like for the first time today, it's time to step into battle. And you need to surrender to the Spirit of God today. Would you stand with me if that's you? Are there people here that say, Pastor, I'm ready to fight this fight? If that's you, would you stand? You know, something that I believe, when you see people raise their hands in worship, this is what they're doing. They're surrendering to the Lord. They're surrendering to God. 
by arms open wide, you're saying, Spirit of God, come into my life. Impact me. And so what I want you to do is I just want you to raise your hands to God if you're able. And I want us to cry out to him as an act of surrender. That God, by your gracious gift, Lord, you gave us the law. God, it exposed what was sin and what was not. But Lord, it also exposed our weakness. And so it created a need for your son. And Lord, you gave him to us. And God, we are so thankful for this gift of your son. And then furthermore, God, when your son accomplished everything he set out to do, you gave us your Holy Spirit that, God, you could walk with us on a daily basis. And Lord, we can have a, a recognition in our lives of when we do right and when we do wrong and the right way to go and the wrong way that we are headed. And God, right now, we are, I'm standing with people that say, God, today is the day that I declare battle over my flesh. Today is the day where I choose to not let my flesh win. Today is a day where I acknowledge victory through Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for a church that can learn what it means to walk in victory. A church that understands what it means to grab a hold of that crown Lord, that identifies them as a son and a daughter of the kingdom of God. Lord, as they leave this place, I know what naturally happens. The enemy comes on the attack. And God, I pray that we, as believers in Jesus Christ, will hold on to that name that is unlike any other name. God, we'll proclaim it. And we'll acknowledge that we are set free, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. And Lord, even though we might identify ourselves as the chief of sinners, Lord, with the blood of your son poured out over our lives, we are called righteous. I thank you, Father God. I thank you for these people here today that can walk in victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated briefly.